1: Hello everyone. This is Paul Sterabin with America and Beyond. My guest today is the writer Burt Solomon. Burt is from the Baltimore area and has lived for many years in the Washington area in Northern Virginia, and he is a journalist by background and the author of in the first place a number of nonfiction books, including Where They Ain't, The Fabled Life and Untimely Death of the Original Baltimore Orioles. The Team That Gave Birth to Modern Baseball, The Washington Century, Three Families and the Shaping of the Nation's Capital, and FDR v. the Constitution, The Court Packing Fight, and The Triumph of Democracy. Now, after writing these books, Burt took a turn towards fiction and specifically uh, historical fiction. He wrote The Murder of Willie Lincoln, The Attempted Murder of Teddy Roosevelt, and now the third in his John Hay Mystery Trilogy, The Murder of Andrew Johnson. Uh, welcome to American Beyond, Bert. Thanks. Good to be here. So in that kind of brief summary arc of your uh, career, your time in writing, uh, this turn towards historical fiction, can you speak to that? Um, I assume you could have gone on with the, the nonfiction books, but you made a turn that uh, it's interesting. So what 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 is that about? Well, right, I'm
0: basically a fiction guide journalism and those three books that you mentioned. Um and there was a particular moment that I kind of pivoted with the thought that I wanted to pivot. Oh really? And I was staring at the screen one morning um on writing the book about the Supreme Court and staring off into space through my window. And and an idea jumped into my head, which was a murder mystery in the Lincoln White House. That said, Huh, I love murder mysteries. I love Lincoln. Wouldn't that be fun? And I'm saying, Hmm, that would just be cool to do. And about 30 seconds later, another idea jumped into my head, which was John Hay as the detective. And I didn't even know I knew who John Hay was, but I obviously knew something about him. And he, in the Lincoln White Alps was a very young, early 20s, assistant private secretary to Lincoln, and actually almost like the son of Lincoln. Um, and so I put those two together and kept thinking about it, um, and i thinking that was just been really interesting. And, and there's a couple of reasons why this uh, really appealed to me. And one is that and good nonfiction delves into the motivations of the characters. Um, and tried to understand you know, what forces were impinging on them. Fiction lets you go even deeper and lets you get inside the characters in a way that I just found really appealing. But that was always what ended in me in reading. I mean, I, I tend to read fiction for pleasure, and I really like getting inside the characters and understanding where they're coming from. Um, neither Lincoln, our historian, Michael Burlingame, talked about Kinds of history. One is narrative history, analytical history, and then it's what he calls emotional history and a feeling of kind of being there. And he said that can be done as well and figure better doing true fiction um, as in non-the uh, other thing that really drew me is my favorite quote along these li- quotation along these lines is from Mark Twain, of course. Um, who said that the truth is stranger than fiction because fiction has to stick to possibilities. Uh-huh. And the way I think about it, paraphrase this, is that fiction is harder to write than nonfiction because fiction has to make sense. Mm. Nonfiction does not have to make sense. Nonfiction goes off in all sorts of directions that nobody can predict. So historical oh, fiction allows you to explore the possibilities mm-hmm. and have fun with them. Um, and so you if, if I, I think of it as uh, truth or nonfiction plus imagination mm-hmm. uh, get to sort of check out all sorts of I mean, I, I don't do counterfactuals it's not like if the South won the Civil War, yeah, i have to have tried to keep the history straight. We're pretty straight. Yeah,
1: um, well and we'll uh, talk we'll talk more about that when we get into sort of the, the granulars of your latest. But which we will not give away. Uh, there won't be. I'm not going to offer spoiler alerts. I think I encourage everyone to read the book uh, with the pleasure that 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 I did. But we can get into sort of the the boiler room, as it were, of constructing this kind of a work, which is one thing that interests me very much. Um, you know, I noted in your answer uh, you you came back to fun a couple of times and. Uh journalism, I think of as, as it can be fun, but it can also be a real grind. Uh, and I don't know if that was part of it What, well. if we could not be too delicate and what sort of stage in your life did you make this turn? Can we talk in terms of ages or, I mean, uh, how, how, how kind of far along were you?
0: Uh, I was, I've been with Jones for probably almost three decades. Um, and and I was in buying actually, I think of in my 50s when I started writing non fiction books uh-huh. and, and entered my 60s to write fiction. Um, a really I kind of a second, uh, out of
1: know yeah. career, maybe too, but but yeah, like which is uh, yeah, one thing that I think fun about the writing life is that unlike, let's say, the life of the physicist or the mathematician, it's it, it can ripen with experience. I wonder if, you know, could you have written books like the fiction books in a much earlier time in life, or did it help
0: to have the kind of experience you had already acquired? I think it does, actually. That's an interesting thought. Um, I hadn't thought of it in that way. Um, Yes, I I think that the more you learn about yourself and kind of internally, and the morning there and about other people and why they need Um mm-hmm. But they know, the have a big I give a lot of, um, you know, more interest and more knowledge about those sorts of things. I actually think about, and I, I was very intimidated. What writing the first book about Lincoln, it the knew the Derek Hooligan's voice. Yeah. Um, and, and that was very thoughtful. Um, but I had to, I mean, I read enough about Lincoln over the years to you know to know what sounds right and what doesn't sound right. Um and I cleared out a lot of stuff and i was let sort of keep it you know, on the oh finally I I know that that sounds pretty good. Um it sounds kind of like him. I think that you need to get a certain sense of, you know, I kind know of how people operate. Um I, I I actually kept comparing this while I was writing it to um acting, which like I've never done. I, I had my uh, theatrical with you and farewell from the stage on back to back nights in high school.
1: Okay. okay. Well, now you can join a very large crowd
0: there. But, and I think, but what what I've read about actors is that um, they, you know, people are complicated, right? Yes. And a lot of different pieces to them. And yes. so an, an actor takes the part of him or herself that corresponds to the character we're trying play and kind of tries to draw that out of themselves. Um that gets easier. I mean actors obviously start in their you know teens, twenties, thirties and so forth. But for me, I think it got easier to do that and to kind of trace the piece, you know, the pieces of myself. To write a dialogue for some somebody that's not you, you have to kind of imagine who they are and what's happening inside their minds. Um, I think that has gotten reasonably uh, over the years. And so it makes it kind of more accurate in a sense or, or seemingly accurate. Um this is pretty easier to do. Um in order to I, I think the years have gone by I've gotten better at that.
1: Yeah. I would imagine that I mean one of the basic functions of journalism as well is what what we call gathering material for a story is basically like the research that an author would do. So you've acquired you
0: know what has acquired that kind of faculty as well but well i mean journalism good journalism i think it's not opinion journalism requires that you understand the world from different aspects mm-hmm. right and nothing to walk there i think was very useful in that because um mm-hmm. i earlier i worked in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and and, and such and everybody kind of thinks in one way, or that's I mean, overshading a little bit, but there's, yeah. there's a kind of mindset. Washington has all sorts of people here. And they need to in order to be journalism well here, you need to inspect their points of view. And so you need to try to understand the world as other people understand the world. Um, and so I think that actually helps in writing historical fiction. Um, or, or, or non-fiction history as well, but, um, but to understand the world from different points of view other than one. Song.
1: Yeah, yeah. Sort of the basic quality of the empathy that, that uh, well, good writers and uh, well, I would say good, good people in, in general, uh, we hope we hope have. Uh, maybe a bit of a digression, but just a little bit on what is historical fiction. We don't need to spend a lot of time on this, but, but I find myself thinking about it as well. And so in, in preparing for, for our conversation and thinking about it, I pulled up something I found uh that described historical fiction uh as a genre that contextualizes real events through the author's lens. The best historical fiction should be entertaining and insightful, providing a so-called slice-of-life view of an era, event, or individual. Uh and goes on to say that these literary Gems possess the remarkable capacity to resurrect bygone areas, offering what we do into the past that educates, entertains, and enchants. The best historical fiction novels invite us to embark on a journey of discovery where fact and fiction seamlessly coalesce. And then cites as a couple of the examples. One is uh, Wolf Hall on the events of Henry VIII and England's reign, the author Hilary Montell. And then it among the others it mentions is War and Peace by Tolstoy. um, and there I thought, you know that's full of invented characters, of course, and I would say perhaps more of a historical novel or the backdrop is is history. So do you come down on that anywhere in terms
0: of what historical fiction is or? shouldn't should be no i mean it out I, I mean it can, it can work very well both ways um and yeah of course hillary mantel and and um old yeah. Bull, postbury Bull are, are well regarded yeah like right, having done it extremely well um um and you know harman I melville and spence wrote it and made up his characters too um, yeah, that's interesting right i hadn't thought of melville which Caleb carr did it and he had you no know, katie rose as mayor in new york right and so you can do it both ways. And so what I would do is I mean, I felt most comfortable sticking as close to the facts and real narratives as I could, maybe a lack of imagination on my part. Um, but I felt nearly comfortable doing that. And and I found the historical research really, really helpful in all sorts of ways. Um one, it gave me it, it gave me really good Thought ideas, uh-huh. and I would do research and thinking. Wow, I never could have thought of that. <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> but, but the real world thought of that. Um, and and the book that that is just coming out about the murder of Penny Johnson, there are a couple of things that I learned doing the research that just wasn't, wasn't mind blowing. And I figured I, I need to need these things, um, mm-hmm. not to. Too much away, but but one of them was found a, uh, a, 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 an interview with a former journalist written thirty years after Johnson's was back, um That that said that he had Mr journalists had interviewed Johnson right after he left the White House in Tennessee with Johnson the strong, and he was in the tailor shop where Andrew Johnson began his career before he became the 17th president at, following Lincoln's assassination. Um, and Johnson pointed to now the ex-disgraced ex-president because he had been impeached and left the office in some disgrace, pointed to a cabinet in his tailor shop and said, I have in your letters that will ruin the reputations of the, of Republican office holders in Washington, it office, you know, letters that yeah. he had. <laughs> wow. 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 Yeah. wow! that's that almost, That's a That must
1: be a satisfying feeling to have, you know, when you're in the bowels of the research and everything, because you know, we know that lots of times you're just sifting through stuff that doesn't really seem to pertain to much of anything.
0: Yes. And so, I mean, that sound, that was a great spotlight. on I mean, I didn't make up that I could expand on it and see the letters implicated and yeah. what the said. Um, and so that I could add to that. so that's one sort of the truth part of some imagination to that. Yeah. Uh, the, the other piece of it that I found even more amazing that was not unknown to historians, but historians have never been able to explain was that on the day that John Wilkes Booth got Lincoln in 1865 in Washington, of course, there, that afternoon, Booth had gone to the hotel in, on Pennsylvania Avenue, where Andrew Johnson lived, but there was no vice presidential um, mansion at the time, and left a note, either for Johnson or for his private secretary, saying, I don't want to disturb you, are you at home, Jaday Wilkes. Oops. Really?
1: Yeah, that we shouldn't. We should uh, that that either or is important too. Again, without giving away the details, because it wasn't. I was struck by that detail as well. For first of all, I I think that very few people, even people who are well up on on Lincoln and on the assassination, are aware of that detail. I, I I'm sure of that. It, and secondly, the ambiguity because it wasn't clear for whom. Uh, the note was in, was uh, intended
0: right. It was it was not clear, but it was assumed with Johnson. on his private secretary who had met him earlier in Asheville yeah. uh, during during a play or watching play. Um, there, there are pigeonholes in the mailbox were back or next to each other, wow. um, and up the desk clerk, um, uh, you know,
1: would with, put with, with one in the wrong place. Sure, um, you can imagine that happening. Pretty pretty. Uh...
0: Pretty easily, sure. But but this is an example, actually, of, of some most of the characters that I've written about in all three of these novels are real. All, all of the main characters are real. I haven't made any of them up. I have made up some of the minor characters, but that includes the desk clerk at the hotel. I yeah, it's real. Yeah, um, I mean, you know, and he testified uh, before the military commission. Right. Um, My- so I. Testimony and was able to use that as well and use him as a character on I mean, I yeah. their him up. Yeah. But, I think that's something. right. You know, invented.
1: I mean, so we're not talking about the, you know, Natasha and, and Pierre from, from war and peace. Sorry. So it's, it's different. Well, let, let's turn to the, the book, but first, um, let's talk a little bit about sort of the unifying character because again, you, this, this is a John Hay mystery the murder of Andrew Johnson, which follows uh, the first, the murder of Willie Lincoln, and the second, the attempted murder of Teddy Roosevelt. So talk about John Hayden. You gave a few sort of details about him and sort of a son in a way to to Lincoln, but what appealed to to, to him, uh, about him to you and uh, you know, in reading, it, it's 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 hard not to think a little bit that John Hay is serving for you the function of a kind of author's voice in a way, and one is, you know, tempted to use the word alter ego. So how did John Hay kind of present
0: to you as an author? <laughs> John Hay, it was a delight. I mean he, he was fun he was interesting and he, Lincoln loved having him around because he was funny um and and he and had a very interesting and varied career um and so he has seen all sorts of pieces of the world um that I mean he started out in Lincoln's White House and he became a diplomat um and and as he was leaving Lincoln assigned you know sent him to he was in Paris and Madrid and Vienna um, and then came back and became a journalist, um, uh-huh. for, the Mayor, uh, Tribune for several years. Um, and Horace uh, Greenlee,
1: Greeley's, uh, tribute. At, yes. Boris Greeley's rad. The yeah. great moral, moral art for him. At yeah. Really Aboli- abolitionist and
0: Republican yeah, right and of an agitator. Yes. Yes. A, a very strong point of view from that, um, the paper and actually I would mean, really was a politician as well. Um and he was yeah. not only founder or editor of the paper, but he actually ended up running against Ulysses S. Grant. Yeah. When uh, running for reelection.
1: Right. So he hires yeah. uh, he brings John Hay aboard. And how so how old is John Hay when he's getting to the Tribune? And I mean what's the difference and uh, I was kinda of wondering what the difference in age also was between John Hay and, and Lincoln
0: r- roughly. Uh, well, Lincoln was in his fifties. John Haynes, twenty-three, so it's about thirty years between, Wow, so uh, quite a quite a difference. Yeah, so he was like a son to Lincoln. Uh, yeah, I mean, he was a little bit older than Robert, but not much. You know, there's Robert Lincoln, was Lincoln's oldest son, who was in college at the time. Uh-huh.
1: Was he a boxer? Because you have, you know, you 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 uh, uh, bring him a lot, develop him as a as a boxer and and so, kind of use that that. Skill, the pugilism is also a way of uh, framing his his character because, you know, naturally he's involved in a lot of confrontations.
0: Um, he was not a bar uh-huh. but I went to an agent when I was working on the Lincoln book, and she said if you were writing a, and I was already thinking about writing a series. So was okay. She said, we were doing this, this a so low agent in New York and Wendy wild. Wow. Who unfortunately passed away while I was writing it. Um, he said, "If you are going to write a serious detective, it, he's got to have quirks." Uh-huh. He said, "No, really, Billy." Really. And I was thinking, I don't know the, the Nero wolf mysteries, where um, his character, you know, is is you know, three hundred pounds in a brownstone in New York and raise an orchids on the roof. So you know, so when you're thinking about the character, that's what you think about. So I spent about six months trying to think of quirks and, uh, and quirks. You come like up it. With, can you give me an example of a rejected quirk? Oh, but and, uh, well, the ones I accepted.
1: Wow. He's an alcoholic or he's, uh, you know. His...
0: Well, I was a pretty good one. Um when a little unreliable as a narrator, which also is maybe indeed. Um, he, um, he was a poet. And so I decided so I'm going to make him a poet. Aha. Uh-huh. And I'll go to Brandon. He said, well, why don't you make him a bad poet? <laughs> Is just uh, an idea? Much easier to write bad poetry than good poetry. uh uh-huh. uh-huh. Bad poet. Uh, I never much liked poetry anyway. Um, and he, he wrote, he was the class poet in, at Brown University. Oh, really? and And he wrote a 362 line about poetry that was absolutely impenetrable. Oh my goodness. But then you actually got more fame as poet was to kind of frontier dialogue mm-hmm. and, and and the the mutiny of and then it actually got picked up and you ended up, you know, writing books of poetry, which again I'm not a big fan of. Well the second work was that thing I had done myself recently. And so I'd been lucky for a way to write about
1: uh, well, wait a minute. I have to stop you there. So, you started the boxing uh, before you bestowed this quirk on him. Uh, I-, I started boxing at the age of sixty. What led you to? Okay, I have to ask you then. What led you to the to to, to box? Maybe that's a digression, but that's okay. What what led you to boxing?
0: Yeah. I we were uh, I was going to a restaurant one night with my wife and the parked around the corner the is in Arlington, Virginia and a parked around the corner to go to a restaurant meet some friends there and I passed a he parked right in front of a, a place called L.A. Boxing and I'm thinking to myself man would I like to be able to do that which I had never I was not that kind of kid I kind of always wanted the bingy um, and I figured wouldn't that be a great thing I could, if I went to that place maybe I could get some here to there and actually and for get yeah, you well, know, to do it and really what it that was Yeah. Wait, my wife was going away for a few days, and so I find for where I said, and, and she on Project back a day early, I said, where'd you go, and I said, we were at our room and went, and, uh, and eaten back, and liked it and told her, and we'll find up for a year, um, it was mostly an exercise place, but they actually had, you know, boxing lessons. Right. Um, End up doing the boxing lessons, and I did that for a number of years, and I was sparring with people there and and doing little conditioning, which was pretty heavy duty. Yeah, um, and it was a very interesting thing. And I actually then was able to get myself from where I had been, which is uh, uh, don't don't I don't I don't want to be in that situation to feeling you know, quite comfortable in that situation. Uh uh-huh. In the ring and you know sparring with other people. Okay, and so then that uh,
1: so that suggested itself to you is uh, for a John Hay quirk.
0: The, the two reasons I mean, one, you I want as I said, I want you to write about it because it's so interesting. It's one of the most interesting things I've ever done. Um, and two, I think Milling really unmasked who are inside um, because you're there alone in the ring. Somebody else is trying to get you, as you're trying to get them. And if your feet does get to maybe core is a little overstable, but it kind to your interior self, uh, um and what you can handle and what you can't handle and how you feel about it. Um and so uh I, mean, I think that making a boxer really makes the reader understand some stuff about A um, that they might not otherwise understand. Um and 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 you're saying before about it, you know, the the offer as the sort of identifying in a sense with the main character, mm-hmm. um, and my my mother read the Lincoln book when it was in college. She said she had to stop every few pages because it said i be too much like me. Really, <laughs> yeah. um, And so I mean, John Henry and I've said this in, in each of these three books I have written in afterward. Yes, yeah, long your four pages, which I really liked doing, and to me they're in a way the most interesting parts. Um, and that explain what is real, what is truthful, and what I have invented. Mm-hmm. And in all yeah, knowledge that the boxing has been invented, but that okay. is his is interior self is more like my own. Yeah. Um, well, that you know, and so that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's easy to see him as a person of, I mean, he worked in the. You know, the Lincoln White House, the background is a journalist, so he's not making such a huge tr- transition to somebody who can solve mysteries that kind of depend on understanding the, the intricacies of, of power and how power is connected, you know, between people, often in shadowy places in, in Washington. So, you know... A lot of our typical mystery detectives in fiction are not people who have that kind of background. You know, they might be former cops or people, you know, people who just have experience in solving homicides uh, and and then you know go into private practice. But this is not an example of of
0: John A does not really fit that kind of a model. No, there's not only procedural in what sense, but I am trying to get a sense of how Washington worked at the time. I covered the White House for a number of years. Yeah. Um, and so I have a sense of how the White House operates. I've been inside it a lot. Um, not necessarily, I've never been upstairs, um, but that I've been inside it and had some sense of how people operate within the White House. It was much easier. I mean, it's a much smaller operation then. Mm-hmm um, than it, than it is now. Um, and yeah, there was no, you know, the, the white house was no wet wing until, uh, Roosevelt um, built it. Right. But dynamics of how things operate in Washington are very similar to what they were. I mean, the, the, um, I'd say the decimal points have changed and how much money might change hands or how much money is at stake, Um, yeah. but the power dynamics have not changed very much. Um, uh, Henry Adams wrote in the 1870s, I believe, a, a novel called Democracy, which basically wrote a little monarch left, um, of, you know, how Washington worked then. And it feels very familiar um, with one it now. It's not, it's not a different world. Yeah. For better or for worse. Right?
1: For, for better or for worse.
0: Yeah. You know. Yeah, I'm, yeah.
1: I, I, I don't I, feel like you're glamorizing Washington, uh, but this is just sort of my own editorial comment, I suppose. Having, you know, I mean, you could you could make, and we're going to get into talking about this, in the, the, the Andrew Johnson book, but you you could make things, I think, even a lot worse and more sordid, and and plausibly, you know, that would. Work as well. I mean, that, you know, that time in life on the Gilded Age. But okay, let's talk. Um, one question that really arises that, is that your first uh, one was uh, Willie Lincoln. So we're in the, uh, we've got, you know, Lincoln, of course, is, as a character that, that is known to everyone. Then Teddy Roosevelt, who also is a character kind of. Of mythological status in in American uh life and in politics that people at least think they know so it's intriguing when we get to the murder of Andrew Johnson because you know that's more of an AP history question uh who was Andrew Johnson I mean never mind just asking the person on the street I don't think you're gonna get uh, uh, and I know who Andrew Johnson is. <clears throat> reply on that question, but even to the AP history student or the, you know, the college freshman, I mean, Andrew Johnson is an obscure j- figure uh, in among American presidents. So, so, why Andrew Johnson, and what is it about Andrew Johnson? Before we get more into the book, that
0: should be known. Well, he um, he is less obscure whenever there. Subject of, of impeachment comes up. Ah. Um, there you go. But well, why is oh, that? Mm-hmm. Well, because the first president to be impeached, had to be with Um and so whenever and he just, he was just fairly acquitted, <laughs> fairly acquitted. Um as been we the case recently, fairly acquitted. uh uh-huh. And um, and and when I will my editor at McMillan and I was trying to think of I had a three book deal and so we were trying to and I quarter actually and I John Haynes lifespan when I was, so I wrote these three books out of order and I was trying to decide on the third book and going back and forth with my editor about the choice and it got came out the two choices. One was cornering Vanderbilt and uh-huh. one was Andrew Johnson. And but I had to have the deaths work in a way that could be kind of made into our sort of our murder mystery like, novel. And and I wrote her uh, you know, the paragraphs on each one. And the last paragraph about Andrew Dobson was how he was so much like Donald Trump, that in the demagogue, bully uh uh-huh. loved um he loved I mean not he didn't love his enemies in the way Jesus loved his enemies. He loved his enemies because he loved compiling them and having them, because it showed his own worth. And she immediately said, that's the one, because then you could basically write about Donald Trump without ever mentioning his name. Um, And so that's when we, that was when we decided with Andrew Johnson. And Andrew Johnson, because Andrew Johnson was the vice president to Lincoln. Well, Lincoln had switched vice presidents for his second term um, for just Basic political electoral reasons, because this earlier vice president added nothing to the ticket. Lincoln looked like he was like, going to have a harder time getting reelected because the war was going badly. And Johnson was a Democrat who had been against the South seceding and had stayed in the Senate. He was the only Southern senator who stayed in the Senate after the Civil War broke out. And so, and he was supposed to be murdered the same night that. Um, Lincoln was and was not murdered that night for reasons that I get into in the book mm-hmm. um so he ended up being a pretty interesting character in in that regard historically and so that's why she said yes let's do it that way um and if you no know, Bi is impeached you know the <laughs> yeah. next Johnson will come back to the floor yeah that's let's hope for the let's hope for the impeachment
1: So what? so when you're Having this conversation, where are we in Trump's presidency, more or less?
0: Yes,
1: during Trump's presidency. But okay, before though, he his before. I'm sorry, but was it before the first impeachment, or was it before the second impeachment?
0: Um, Actually, I think it was. uh, I can't recall. Actually, it was before the first impeachment. 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 Okay, so the
1: yeah, so there you had your kind of parallel, and and my other observation is it might maybe it's easier. To do Andrew Johnson because because he's so much less known to people that, that you can I don't know is it more like on a blank canvas than having to do a you know a Teddy Roosevelt for
0: example I'd rather I'd, I'd rather he had been Um I mean the reason she wanted me did she liked the Teddy Roosevelt idea is because Teddy Roosevelt is that and can you know book readers um, yes and very well known. I would have preferred that we'd be well-known, but choices were, you know, the choices were what the choices were. Ryan right, That's true. Sure. Out- You know, as not a act. Also, you really would like the idea of John Hay at different stages of his life. Yes. And instead of writing a series of novels of mysteries where everybody, you know, where it's always the same, I don't, unknown time. Yeah. Um, like the idea of it in his first book he's 23. In this book he in of so just starting out in you know in adulthood. In the Andrew Johnson book he is 36, has mm-hmm. um, recently been married, has just had a first child. Yeah, we can we could say that transition from you know bachelorhood to family man. Um and in the third book, in chronological order, um he is secretary of state, if he was for William McKinley of the in Lozo. Mm-hmm. Um, so it shows him toward the end of his life, though it's not totally so clear to that it was toward the end, but it was. Um, and so it shows him at different stages of, I mean, I am very infected by um, uh, the John Uffstuck Ra- um, Rabbit series. Okay. Four, sure. Um, I mean, where Rabbit is at four different times in his life and at different stages of his life. And showing the character, you know, at you know in in different in in that way, um, and I think I like the idea of John A. at different times. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, let's go to the
1: the book, and again, we're not going to give the <clears throat> the story away, but I think it's all right to uh, to start at the beginning here in Chapter One, Saturday, July thirty first, eighteen seventy five. We have John Hay and he's living in cleveland with clara his wife and the four and a half month old uh, helen uh their daughter and now we have him catching uh a train because he's been notified that andrew johnson has died in the Beth time you can have to give me the correct pronunciation i know that's that's the okay in the wilds of east tennessee so he's on the train, of course. The trains are so uh, uh, so much a part of the, the Gilded Age. The conductor brought me the Columbus newspapers, the printers' strike in Kentucky, the anthracite coal miners' strike in Pennsylvania, the weavers' strike in Massachusetts, the shoe strike in New York. What on earth was the world coming to? Indeed, all these strikes. So I, of course, those are where obscure... Sh- to me, and uh, is part of the thought or part of the purpose here to not just to reconstruct the era, but to impart a history lesson? Absolutely.
0: Absolutely. That's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to make this era in American history come alive. Um, so, and, and and a very immediate way to do that is to, is to look at newspapers. Um, and so at various times, i, I look looking at the newspapers. I, I tried to sort of limit that because I didn't want it to turn into out of something slight but um, but that's a way to understand what is happening in the world around them. I, I do think that I mean history can be, can be entertaining and that it can be really, really be fun and really interesting and kind of have to feel like you're there in order to get a feel of the of the era, and so that's exactly what I was trying to do in having him kind of these newspapers. As he, you know, every so often, that's what he does just so that readers can see the context in which all of the stories happen. Yeah, and it's perfectly natural. I mean, expect he's on the
1: train, he's got some hours, and what's he going to do? You know, write, news- read newspapers, and so forth. In this research, then, was there anything that it surprised you, or that you didn't anticipate about the Gilded Age itself?
0: Um, well, nothing of not. Really? I mean I read some about the Gilded Age. Um well actually yes, because the Gilded Age we think of it as Gilded <laughs> as, um, as as gold line. Um there was a lot, a lot of wealth going on. Um, you know, and, and uh Edith Wharton writes about the third well of the age of the innocence, um you know, the eighteen seven Indiana and then the amount of wealth going on. But there was also a serious depression. In 1873. And so there was a huge amount of what we now think of as inequality. And so there was a lot of poverty just blocks away from where there was enormous wealth. Um, and so like I would, I like to go to places to try to feel them. And in Cleveland, Utah Avenue, which is now just sort of part of downtown and not very interesting, but it used to be the million dollar mile. Um, and it was where all the mansions were. And I went and found where John A's house was, um, that was being built at the beginning of this build-up, but it really was being built. And, but a few blocks away from there, there was serious poverty. Um, and so it was this, it was, and that's actually what was causing all of these strunks that you were just reading about. And so the Gilded Age kind of came forth to, you know, huge, huge our um, fights are physical as well as, you know, political, um, between capital and labor. And so it was, yeah,
1: it was not the, the sort of the knowledge it's, you know, in our 21st century, we think of the, you know, I mean, right now we have the Hollywood actors uh, and screenwriters strike. It's not quite the same thing. I think of the Gilded Age as having the, almost a physicality to it, you know, Blood, sweat, and, mu- and muscle. I mean, this this period of rapid industrialization,
0: right? And, and real, you know, nastiness, if you will, on the part of the capital. you on this. Um, we didn't have any safety nets, yeah. um, and the you know, on the feeling about oh, they shouldn't be doing that, it, you know, was less widespread than it than it might be now. Um, and so in fact, John Hayes' real life father-in-law was an industrialist and railroad magnate who had been bought out by Vanderbilt. Um and um and so and Alan Pinkerton, the Pinkerton detectives who um who became famous in the eighteen seventies and eighteen eighties for breaking up strikes, you know, had most possible. Um he had actually done some work for John Hay's father-in-law at times. Mm-hmm. So I have Pinkerton as a character. Yeah, you not know, evil. I'm um, doing the detective work for John Hey. And the what was
1: the symbol of the Pinkerton? Uh... I never sleep. Yeah, that's great. Open eyes, The old CBS
0: you know, logo. Yeah,
1: yeah never... that's wonderful. That was that was uh, that was wonderful. And and also, I mean, to have a college education at that point must have. I don't know what the percentages are. It must have been. Very, very few people in America,
0: you know, adults had, were college educated. Yes, uh, that's uh, absolutely yeah, true. I don't know the percentage here, but John Hay came from a small town in West to Virginia, near okay. Warsaw, uh, okay. on the River. About month, his uncle was a. um I saw that it was a doctor, um, but not a very successful one, and his uh, and his uncle was a lawyer and was practicing law on the same floor out of a building in Springfield, Illinois, the Capitol, as Lincoln was. Gosh. So he goes to read law, because most people became lawyers, became lawyers not through law school, but through reading for law. Yes, yeah, kind of an apprenticeship. And so he does that with his uncle, and his uncle will money decides that need to go to Brown. Um, where I think, there, and maybe his uncle had gone. There's some family history at Brown University in Providence. Yeah. Uh, and so, in, and for John Hay, ends up as this kind of Western dick, um going to this, you know, sophisticated, you know, Ivy League college, um, and it makes a huge amount of difference for him um, in terms of kind of his sophistication um, and his intellectual, you know, development. Yeah, and that's part part of what makes him a. a a
1: good layered or routed uh character because i mean you could see how such a person could be more kind of on the defeat side but but he's not you know because he's he's not really a, a flower of the you know one of the eastern you know boston or one of the eastern cities and and um so i want to you know these these little uh f- flashes of historical realism uh, grabbed me uh, later on in the story. We're now in Washington, uh, where Hay is continuing his investigative work into what he has now concluded is, in fact, the murder of Andrew Johnson, not, not as the papers initially said, based on the doctors, that he died from what was called apoplexy. But Andrew, <clears throat> our, our protagonist, John Hay, is convinced that it's Murder. So here he is in Washington. I walked north along 14th Street, a hodgepodge of stooped storefronts and ambitious edifices. The Foundry Methodist Church at G Street was a modest brick structure, trim me itself assured, that plausibly housed a back journal to God. What impressed me most is what I had expected to see but didn't. Hogs in the gutter, geese on the prowl, the earthly remains of wheat-willed mutts, the garbage rotting at the curb. Whoa. So this is uh, a picture that comes from where?
0: Um, it comes from newspapers by and large, and also histories of the period. I immersed myself in newspapers, a page after page after page, looking at them, looking at them. And... Was there a main Washington uh, newspaper at that time? Yeah, there were three or four. What do you post not get started? The Evening Star, um, which is a very fine newspaper which died maybe one years ago. Um, very useful. um, was a wonderful newspaper. Um, and so I, spent a lot of time on they need star, There was also a newspaper I never heard of called the Washington Chronicle. It only lasted for a few years. Um, well, it was much gossipy and sort of closer to the street, if you will. And so they would have, they had a column on the back page every day about all of these, you know, small events that happened. You well, know, um. That I mean, one of my favorite, which I included in the book, was you know a sheep wandering into a jewelry store on Pennsylvania Avenue. No. This was true. Um, and and what had happened in Washington, there had been some guy named Ball Shepard in in, 18, in the early eighteen seventies who had cleaned up the city. And so the description of the, the geese and the gardens and the mud and all, yeah. left things to so literally cleaned up the city. But I, but I absolutely found those in earlier newspapers, which I found all in the Lincoln book, when the Evening Star was there and not the Chronicle. Um And and these things are all there. How were, you able to, how were you able to read the newspapers now? Where are you, in the Library of Congress? Yes, Library of Congress. Um, Lincoln's a bad place, and I happily have you know, within.
1: Yes, it. let's give a shout out to the Library of Congress. I mean, which, well, first of all, I think it's wonderful that You know, we think of journalism sometimes as a kind of debased uh, craft or or profession. You know, full of you know fake news and all the rest. But it sounds to me like I mean, these are pretty on point. uh, You know, on the ground observations. So just the fact, and again, I assume these these journalists are not people who have gone to college either, as is common now. So the. But they were they were picking up all this stuff and, and you know, putting it in the papers. There was a there was an audience, a readership for
0: that. There would be accidents. You know, carriages wouldn't run into each other and you know, a kid would be thrown burden feet. Um and I mean Eastern, this this is news. Um, I don't think we cover well enough now this kind of the small events that really you know impacted people in their lives. Um I mean some of this stuff that was so common it was hard to find out. Like you know, who has the right of way at, at an intersection, um, which everybody knows. So, I write about it in the newspapers, And so the, some of that stuff was tricky to figure out. But when there were, you know, accidents on the street and somebody was hurt, you know, or somebody had run over by a gray, well, sort of like kind of a flatbed truck, um, or run into by a horse-drawn streetcar, um, this would make the news. Or it makes the kind of yeah, on <laughs> That would be, small, you know, small items. And the and, and
1: society page kind of stuff where you would, you know, people's so-and-so miss of such importance has arrived in Washington and will be staying at, you know, such-and-such such hotel. I mean, that, that kind of thing. Absolutely. And so-and-so went away for a vacation in New Jersey and they came back. Right. Right. Uh, is a the so and so on on in 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 voyage to you know Liverpool or wherever. Uh, So yeah, you knew a lot, and also then as now, I mean people, you know, practitioners of power use the newspapers to to plant items, right? I uh, suppose, sure.
0: I mean, you know, journalists then were not as the ethics weren't what they are now. Um, and so I'm sure that a lot of women were kind of on the tape or, you know, had their favorite sources or, in fact, put things in. But stuff I was looking for, I think, actually actual millions. I mean, who has you know to have a little, you know, a paragraph about a sheep walking into a jewelry store? Um, and that, to me, like, tells you a whole lot. You know, you know, the beats on the gutters. That tells you a whole lot about the feel of the city at the time. Um, and so I just backed all that stuff up as much as I could. And they kept files of all of the kind of really interesting little in bits. And so when I was having them walk, jump down, I to walk, my character John the to with through the um, uh, city where I would go look at those and, and find kind of cool stuff. Yeah. They're, but they were all true. Right. Which is, yes. And you
1: address this, as you say, in the afterward, where you, you go into some detail on, on what is true, what, you know, your approach to what, you know, is is true and and not. And I think, um, yeah, that, I mean, and that comes across. I think people understand that probably that Andrew Johnson wasn't murdered. At least, at least we don't think he was still today. That's another question, I suppose. Uh, but, um, you know, were they at the time, did it come across to you at all that people... You thought that it could have been a murder?
0: Well, uh, I take, take it back. Um, no, no, we thought it was a murder, but to go back even might of the Lincoln assassination um, when he was murdered and was not, and obviously had been benefited from Lincoln's assassination by becoming president. Mary Lincoln and some of the radical Republicans in Congress thought that Johnson either was involved in the John looked the fought or had knowledge of it ahead or not, um, and and there was in fact a House Select Committee on the assassination of President Lincoln. Um, that that, according to very little that was in what was then the equivalent of the congressional record, said that it was trying to investigate you know, high officials in government and whether they were involved. meaning Lee Johnson. Um, they they never issued a report. Um, I went, the National Archives has no record of any depositions or any report, um, and um, and I looked for depositions and so forth in the personal papers at the Library of Congress by an, in of uh, the committee chairman. It's often the committee chairman which sort of grabs stuff and then people put it in their personal papers. I found two innocuous depositions about this, but um, I also found, and this is great because sometimes I would just have this. Amazing moment. I was going through the files of this congressman, then Benjamin Butler from Massachusetts, um, with very a really drumming general during the war and then became a congressman. Um, and there was a file of um, John Wilkes Booth's telegrams, and so I was wading through these, or just uh, going out and uh, amazing, right? Uh, and so yeah. Uh, Yes, where the I, I've been in the manuscript division a lot, so I sort of know the people they're all about. I said, "Are these real?" And he looked up on in in um, Google um, Wilkes who developed um signature and said, "Yeah, they are real. Whoa. Who's actually wrote these telegrams? You know, to give to the Western Union guy um, to have them sent out." Um, and they were fairly innocuous. They weren't that interesting, but I'm sitting there, there again with John Wilkes Booth, Sam Ritten. Oh, uh, I mean, it's such a t- tactile
1: ex- experience. Yeah. That uh, Those were the moments that were yeah, powered, so. Yeah. That was well, wonderful yeah. to have access to that and also the, the depositions and things. And, um, and I'll say again, I'm not going to give away the story, but you decide on, I think, a very interesting, inspired sort of choice of of a villain that that puts it together, but we're not going to go there. I do, however, want to end our conversation on a note of final passage that, for me, was extremely evocative, and uh, as one who has, uh, talking about myself in my own life, kind of patrolled the bowels of the Capitol, here is something that... uh, I did not know. So we have our John Hay inside the Capitol. He's glimpsed the peak of the Capitol Dome, and now he's in the interior. Capitol's interior felt cool, disengaged from the country it governed. We're in August, so it must be pretty hot out there. Um, And then he's descending. The spiral stone staircase was as narrow as in a Transylvania castle. I expected to see droplets, and I did. Shimmering down the walls. I found myself hurrying before the walls closed in. Below ground, daylight met its match. The pillars down here were as wide as tree trunks. Arches in the vaulted ceiling bore the Capitol's weight. I was inside the hill that held the Capitol, as if I had descended into a crypt. It smelled damp from storms long spent. The marble bathtubs in the basement hadn't changed any. A half dozen of them lined the wall. Each in a cabinet of black walnut, and adjoined by a toilet. Outside the nearest opening, the marble floor was wet. I walked gingerly, and then he meets the vice president, General Wilson, in a bathtub. So, I, so really, they were having baths down there in the
0: Capitol. I mean,
1: this was this was this taking place.
0: I've seen them. I've seen those bath balls. the Senate, Senate. there? Or, I've seen them. I'll read, that the boarding, that most members of the Congress did not have places in Washington because it was too expensive to rent or buy a place year-round. unless must have a welcome. And so they would come for a few weeks or a couple of months. And and a lot of the boarding houses did not have um, bed tubs. or water. And so the congressman needed to go to um, and get clean. And they have like orderlies who were you Know, scrubbing them or pouring, the you know, who got that job? That's yes, well, I mean, good work because you can get it, you know. Um, and so, yes, these are in the sub basement, and they also had, um, like well, the equivalent prison shelves down there where they kept, you know, very occasionally, uh, the people were jailed there for a while, um, which I have going on in my length book, which is also true. Um and I also found the room where the White House garden Lincoln's White House Gardener was um kept in prison for a while and then figured out what it was. Um now Ooh, but the, but the was that old obviously. Um and so when you could see this, you know, these things were there and they're still there. Yeah, and made out of marble, no less. Marble, only the
1: best. Only the best. Yeah, only the best. Well, on that salubrious uh, note, uh, Bert, we're going to end our conversation. I thank uh, you for being here, for joining us on America and Beyond.
0: Pleasure. Thanks for having me.